By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Behind the Bonds, Connecting the Dots on Corporate Credit. I'm Tanya Hall, your host for episode four of Moody's Corporate Finance Group podcast here in chilly London. But wherever you are, and whether this is the first time or the fourth time you've joined us, I hope you'll subscribe or follow us on your favourite platform. And please do like us on social media. Today, we're going to focus on rising inflation and what it means for companies' credit quality. We'll look at how higher inflation is affecting a wide range of sectors around the world. And then my colleague Chris Sinter will take a closer look at what inflation means for the US building sector with analyst Emil L. Nems. So let's start with the basics. What do we mean by inflation? Put simply, it's the rate at which the cost of a standard basket of goods and services rises. And the rate of inflation has accelerated sharply in the past year in many countries. Now, Moody's analysts think the rate of inflation will probably remain high in the first half of this year, but should ease off after that. Moody's doesn't think the cost of services will fall back, though the cost of some goods might once supply chain issues are sorted out. Higher inflation means consumers like you and me get less bang for our buck. But what does higher inflation mean for the company's Moody's rates? Well, to explain the effect it's having, I'm joined for the first part of our podcast by Paloma San Valentin. Paloma heads up the corporate finance group in North America and is based in New York. Paloma, thank you for joining me from across the pond. Thank you, Tanya. Now, your team recently put out a report talking about the effect of higher inflation on a wide range of sectors. What sort of cost pressures exactly are U.S. companies facing? Well, U.S. companies are really facing a range of interconnected and complex cost increases, whether they're coming from labor or raw materials or energy or transportation and supply chain issues. And how they're playing out really varies a lot depending on the sector and on the impact on other sectors. So can you give our listeners some examples? So if we look at labor, for example, we've seen labor shortages that have slowed production and put up costs especially for those more labor-intensive sectors like restaurants or retail or trucking, agriculture. So what happened is as companies have had to increase wages to attract workers from smaller pool, or they've had to step up investment in automation. And all of those are extra costs to those businesses. We see the job market has been picking up and there's little slack as the economy expands. And then, of course, skills are not easily transferable across jobs and, and some sectors might just take longer to adjust. Yeah. For example, if you just lost your retail job, you might not have the skills to turn to truck driving overnight, correct? Exactly. So even before the pandemic, there was a truck driver shortage and it just got worse. And this shortage was just one of the elements that caused congestion and delays at ports as goods waited for transport. So worker shortages are pushing up costs and they're slowing supply, but demand is also hiking prices, correct? Yes, that's right. So at the height of the pandemic, demand for a lot of goods outstripped supply and that demand supply equation still remains out of kilter. So take car production, for example. It ground to a halt in early 2020 and then was a little slow to ramp up again. But demand for cars 
rose as people avoided public transport. And then supply chain disruptions hit the semiconductor industry. And all of these factors conspired to increase the cost of new vehicles. A similar dynamic hit US home building, right, Paloma? Chris and Emil will discuss this in more detail in the second part of the podcast. Yes, building materials demand also increased and supply just couldn't keep up for some time. But home builders were able to increase house prices. If you look at consumer demand in general, it really continued to strengthen as vaccines were rolled out and lockdowns ended. And demand was also boosted by government support measures, rising asset values and and higher household savings. So the main takeaway in all of this is that we expect supply and demand imbalances to self-correct over the second half of 2022. But in the meantime, this still presents a key risk to the recovery. So what about the cost of raw materials? Are rising prices there affecting companies? So just to give you a couple of examples, auto manufacturers, they're facing rising material costs for steel, for other metals, battery Costs are also rising because increasing prices for nickel and cobalt and lithium. Then we have energy prices, which are pretty high too. So we have very high demand for energy, a lot of uncertainty about oil and gas supply, and pressure to accelerate the move away from fossil fuels. Consumer product companies also are facing probably more commodity inflation in the next 12 months than they have experienced in more than a decade. Now, in many cases, they're able to pass these costs on to consumer, but there's a lag in those prices fitting through. So we could be seeing margins squeezed for another couple of quarters. So are there any sectors which really aren't being affected by all of this? Yes, a few, and for very different reasons. Take dry bulk and container shipping. was very strong demand, and those companies were really able to increase rates and profit soared last year. And the good thing is that they used record free cash flow to reduce debt. Semiconductor manufacturers also come to mind. Their production costs are relatively low and demand is very high. So these companies have been enjoying strong revenue growth and expanding margins, but at the same time, they have been finding it difficult to keep up with demand, hence the shortages I mentioned earlier. If you look at the pharma sector, inflation is not having much of an effect there, relatively speaking. The impact of labor and raw material and transportation costs is relatively low capacity, not a big concern. And you have other industries like gaming, lodging, media, metals and mining, where labor costs are much more of a moderate drag on the profits. A lot of mining companies, however, are benefiting from the high price of base metals. So all of these different dynamics are playing a part in it. So we've talked a lot in the last few minutes about the US, but inflation isn't just an issue for US companies, is it? No, absolutely. Many of the sectors we cover are global sectors, you know, take the manufacturing or the consumer product sectors, and really commodity price inflation is a widespread issue for these companies globally. For retail, for example, the risk of inflation is an important consideration, whether you're in Europe or in the US. So absolutely, very much of a global phenomenon. So inflation is hitting companies all over the world, but what does it mean for credit quality? Well, many companies so far have been able to pass rising costs onto consumers. And as a result, they've shown strong profitability. 
Now, some of them have used this to reduce debt, as I was mentioning for the container shippers, but not all companies are going to be able to fully pass on cost increases to end consumers, and this will hit their earnings. We see this happening in apparel and retail, consumer services and consumer goods, but larger companies also have more pricing power and will fare better. Demand in specialty chemicals has been strong enough to allow these companies to rapidly pass through higher costs, even if they have been affected by higher commodity prices. And the same has happened in the protein and agriculture sector. So profit margins are record high for some companies in some sectors. And for example, oil majors, their credit quality is going to be positively impacted by an environment of higher oil prices. So in general, we see that inflationary pressures are likely to remain high on the goods side while services inflation is a little bit more muted at this point. So it seems like most companies can handle this inflationary pressure for now, at least, Paloma, right? Yes, for now. We have strong demand and healthy growth prospects, and that means that business conditions are going to remain good in 2022. But the longer it takes for supply and demand imbalances to improve, the greater the risk that cost increases begin to dent consumer purchasing power and begin to constrain companies' performance. An important element also to watch in all of this will be policy measures by the US Federal Reserve and other central banks across the world. So in general, we expect investment-grade issuers to manage these pressures But the companies that are most vulnerable to change in business conditions will be those with weaker credit fundamentals. I'm sure we'll all be watching those inflation numbers with interest over the next few months, Paloma. Thank you so much for joining us today. And just a reminder, listeners, you can read all our research about inflation and a whole range of other topics on moody's.com. Links to the most relevant reports are in the show notes. Now, listeners, we've already mentioned US building as one of the sectors where demand soared during the pandemic. To tell us more about what we think will happen next, let's hand over to my colleague, Chris Center. Chris, over to you. Thanks for that, Tanya. Yes, inflation seems to be affecting everything at this point, including most people's costliest purchase, their homes. During the pandemic, new home prices in the U.S. soared, driving the median price over $400,000 for the first time, according to the Census Bureau. And our analysts are forecasting another record-breaking year. The higher prices were driven by low supply and huge demand from shifting demographics and remote workers seeking more space. But the rising cost of materials like concrete, copper, lumber, and land also contributed. And with rising prices for everyday purchases eating into budgets, home affordability is a big concern, particularly for first-time buyers. So we welcome Emil Elnems, our building materials analyst in New York, to help us talk through this. Hi, Emil. Hello, Chris. So what's going on with the housing market? Have the price increases run their course? Look, last year, on average, we saw home prices rise more than 10%. Typically, increases of that size are unsustainable year after year. For 2022, we project home prices to rise in the low single digits on a percentage basis. In 21, limited housing supply and high demand for single-family homes drove prices higher, while rising wages and three years of very good equity returns helped offset these prices. But now there's the issue of rising mortgage rates as well, right? Today, 30-year mortgage rates are about one-half to three-quarter of a percent more than they were six months ago, but still reasonable in a historical context. As a result, affordability today is less when it was, let's say, six months or a year ago, 
When you factor in diminishing savings from the pandemic, and as we discuss higher prices for food, gasoline, and other necessities, to maintain affordability, we have seen some home builders shrink the size of their new homes. And do you expect these dynamics are going to linger for a while? Look, housing demand is still high. There are big backlogs from last year. So for 11 years in a row, from 2008 to 2019, housing starts for single family homes were below the long-term average, and we argue it may take at least a couple of years for that demand and supply equation to normalize. Yes, affordability is an issue, but unemployment rates are declining. The U.S. has millions of unfilled jobs, and we project the U.S. economy will grow in real terms for the next couple of years. And then also you have to factor in the trend of remote working, which we believe will remain a long-term growth driver for home builders. So as far as building supplies go, is everything more expensive? Yes, of course. But as the year progresses, we expect prices for commodities like steel, aluminum, and lumber to ease after big increases from last year. In 2021, steel was up 150% and lumber was up 45%. For everything else this year, windows, doors, piping, wiring, plumbing fixtures, etc., we expect prices to be up in the mid-single digits, let's say around 5%. So is that price inflation going to further pinch builders and their suppliers? And if so, who ultimately is going to pay the price? Look, I mean, home builders' costs are up. Land, materials, labor, and the products we just mentioned, like cabinets, bathroom fixtures, windows, etc., are more expensive. So far, the builders and their suppliers, like building materials and building products companies, were able to pass higher costs onto their customers. But the question is, if affordability continues to drop, can they still do that? My answer, it depends on many variables, like supply demand, the type of customer, the competitive dynamics within the industry, the health of the consumer, and of course, the health of the overall U.S. economy. For building materials, for example, companies that sell concrete, cement, aggregates, there are high barriers to entry, few threats from foreign imports because of high transportation costs, and essentially no substitute products. So these companies can still increase prices, and we expect their margins to continue to expand over the next two years. And does the same thing apply for building products like the windows and doors and cabinets? For building products companies, it all depends on the threat from imports and how consolidated or fragmented their markets are. But generally speaking, building products have less ability to pass higher prices to their customers given the fragmentation of their markets and the threats from cheaper imports. For now, they have been able to pass on higher prices to their customers because of supply chain constraints. But in a normal environment where there are no transport bottlenecks, they will have less ability to pass on these higher prices. As a result, we expect the margins for building products companies to be flattish or slightly up over the next two years. So when you look beyond housing and bigger projects like warehouses or roads, does inflation affect spending on those? From a very high level, we expect U.S. construction spending to be up 6.5% this year. The main driver of construction growth in 2022 will remain residential construction, which is about half of total spending. For next year, 2023, we expect infrastructure spending to be the key driver for construction growth. And is that tied to the trillion-dollar federal infrastructure plan? Yes. The recently passed infrastructure spending bill 
won't have a major effect this year, but in 2023, we expect the infrastructure bill to increase spending around 35 to $50 billion and more in the following years. We believe the bill will have a profound impact on building materials for years to come. I mean, when you look at the U.S. infrastructure, whether it's our bridges, antiquated transportation networks, or water systems, all are in dire need for repair and remodel. Materials like aggregates and cement are mostly a local business, so there are few supply chain disruptions, and labor shortages have not been a substantial issue at this point this year. And as I mentioned, there are no real substitutes, so prices for those will continue to rise with continued demand. Thanks very much for your insights, Emil. Now we'll send it on back to Tanya. Thanks, Chris and Emil. That's all we have time for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Please do like and subscribe if you've enjoyed the podcast today. And I hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Behind the Bonds. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye.